0: Okay, so sometimes it's not easy to show ourselves self-compassion, especially when we're feeling really overwhelmed by many different emotions. And in this case, something that we can do is that we can strategically find a way to distance ourselves from the emotion to then actually get a better view and understand what we're actually feeling. Hey, guys, this is Coach K, and you're listening to the Making Changes, Breaking Barriers podcast, where we talk about you. This is about you, your mind, and your path. So first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for listening. I'm always constantly very appreciative for all the support that my audience is giving me, whether that is listening to this podcast or on social media or through my coaching, whatever it is. I'm just very excited and appreciative of the community that is being built around this. And I do just hope that that continues to grow. If you are someone who is part of this community, who is listening to this podcast consistently and really does enjoy it, I do have a favor to ask. Wherever you listen to your podcast, most of you listen on Apple Podcasts, but if you listen on Spotify, you can do this as well. I would really appreciate if you go right now and leave a rating. Hopefully a five-star rating if you've been enjoying the show and also a review. Doing that is not only nice for me to see those things growing, but it also allows then those platforms to go and push out my podcast to new listeners so that I can just, again, continue to grow this community and spread this message out to more and more people. So if you have been listening and enjoying this, I would really appreciate it. Before we get going today into today's topic where we're going to be talking all about emotional agility, which I'm very excited to dive in with you guys today, I have two quick things to say. Number one, I have been dealing with allergies. Probably all of you guys have. So if I sound a little nasally, if I'm sniffling a little bit, you know, that that's that's why. I'm sure some of you are in that same boat as well. And number two, some of you may love this. Some of you may hate this and that's okay. I'm down to be a little bit controversial sometimes. But go Warriors. I've been watching them as as well as as Cora throughout these playoffs. Today we actually just won game 7 against the Sacramento Kings, which was such an amazing game. What an amazing series honestly by both teams. And I am just so excited to continue to watch them as we move into the next round and and uh, compete against the Los Angeles Lakers. So I don't know if we even have any basketball fans who listen to this podcast, but in case we do, in case there are any other Warrior fans out there, I had to say go Warriors. That's kind of been a big part of our life over the last few months as we've been watching almost every, well, I should rephrase that. We have watched every single game, even when we were on vacation, we watched replays um in the morning since we were in Europe and those games were in the middle of the night. Um and so, yeah, just wanted to share that with all of you and And if any of you guys have been watching, I'm sure you've been enjoying it as there have been some really exciting games. Okay. Anyways, maybe one day I'll do a whole basketball podcast and only talk about basketball, but I won't bore you guys with that any further. Let's dive into today's topic all about emotional agility. So let me paint a picture for you to start. Most of our days start with a basic story. And that story may go something like mine. It may not. But just to paint the picture, that story is, hey, Christina's alarm goes off. She snoozes her alarm. I have a, I think, a nine-minute snooze that I, no- I press every single morning, but I only press it once. Then I get up out of bed. I go to the bathroom. I brush my teeth. I then stumble into the kitchen, and I start the coffee machine. I then let the dogs out. I grab my coffee, I sit down, and most of the time I go ahead and just start my work day at least for a few hours, even just an hour, and then sometimes we do a morning walk after that. So why am I saying this because this is pretty basic, right? As long as our stories or you can even visualize these stories as our own little personal movie right if If I was being filmed, you can visualize all those things happening, maybe not going to the bathroom part, not to be weird, but you know you can visualize your own story as a movie, and as long as the movie stays consistent, simple, and positive, everything just kind of feels good, right? Like, everything feels as it should. But how often is this the case? How often do our stories stay simple, consistent, and positive? It's probably most mornings for most of us that something tricky happens. Something about the construction of our story is no longer simple and basic. Something unexpected happens like, oh, you, you ran out of coffee and you, and you forgot, right? You didn't go to the store the day before to get more or maybe it was cre- creamer or maybe you have kids and the kids wake up not feeling well that morning. And so that totally shifts your schedule. Or maybe something negative happens. You walk into the kitchen to find your dog had gotten into something during the night that they shouldn't have, right? Maybe something throws off your routine, like you had planned to go on a run that morning before you started work, but now it's raining and that run doesn't really sound good anymore. It doesn't really sound enjoyable to go out and run in the rain. Or maybe you have a meeting that isn't a normal meeting that you have as part of your weekly routine. And so that meeting now cuts into your normal routine. Things have to get shifted around. All this to say, normally these things that are happening around us or these events that are occurring are are sometimes out of our control. But the stories our mind manufactures around these events not only are often negative, but they also are sometimes not even accurate. And a lot of times this limits us. Our minds love to distort reality that work call that you've been dreading, if we could just fast forward into the future, we would realize that it's not going to be that bad. Or that run in the rain that you all of a sudden don't really want to do because you weren't expecting it to be raining and now you're talking yourself out of it. If we could fast forward, maybe that ends up being the best run you've had in a few months because the chilliness of the rain and and the weather was a little bit chillier really allowed you to push a bit harder than you're used to the way our minds tend to create the story based on what is happening around us can be misrepresenting what is actually happening so simply put we rarely see our lives as they really are in this exact moment in time right we have and and we have our very complicated brains to blame for this so this brings us to what we're mainly going to be talking about today which is emotional agility getting getting to the good stuff here So emotional agility is the ability to step back from all these things happening to us, happening around us, happening in our lives, to step back from the narrative in our head, right, to step back from the stories that we're telling ourselves and to step back from the emotion to figure out what needs to change, to evaluate the data around us versus the stories that we're telling ourselves and then figure out how we want to approach this situation what we want to try, how we want to intentionally go about this part of our day or this event that maybe we weren't expecting or whatever it is. So a lot of what I'm going to be talking about today, I want to make sure you guys know, is actually from a psychologist who leads this field in the concept of emotional agility. And her name is Susan David, and she has a book actually titled Emotional Agility get unstuck, embrace change, and thrive in work and life. If you're interested in diving more into this subject after listening to this podcast, I would highly recommend her book. I read it, I loved it. It gave me a lot of these ideas and it helped me evaluate how I approach some of these emotions and these situations. But to quote her on what emotional agility really is, she says, emotional agility is a process that enables us to navigate life's twists and turns with self-acceptance, clear-sightedness, and an open mind. The process isn't about ignoring difficult emotions and thoughts. It's about holding those emotions and thoughts loosely, facing them courageously and compassionately, and then moving past them to ignite change in your life. What a sentence, right? A couple sentences. Wow. Emotional agility is a powerful thing for us to have as adults, for us to have as Humans, for us adults to be teaching to our kids, even is a way you could be thinking about this. So, let's chat for a minute about what are some common ways negative emotions are handled. Some just some common ways that we see, maybe we do this sometimes, maybe our loved ones, the people around us, our partner, our parents, our siblings, whatever it is, these are common ways that sometimes negative emotions are handled. It's hard to handle what we see as negative emotions, but the crazy thing is. The majority of emotions that have been identified by psychologists could be seen as negative emotions, right? So if we're saying, oh, negative emotions are hard to handle, but I'm really good at at handling the positive ones, right? It's like, okay, you're probably saying that you're not really great at handling most emotions because really a lot of emotions can be seen as these quote unquote negative emotions. Dr. David points out that some psychologists acknowledge seven basic emotions. And here I'll list out those seven basic emotions. They are joy, anger, sadness, fear, surprise, contempt, and disgust. So out of those seven, five of these could be seen as negative. Anger, sadness, fear, contempt, and disgust. So the reality is all emotions and experiences are here to help us survive. And they've done so for a million years. They all serve a purpose. And so none of these emotions should be buried. We shouldn't try and avoid them, but rather we should try and accept them as useful through even though sometimes this is really uncomfortable. And believe me, I I understand. My therapist actually told me the last couple of months that I was avoiding certain emotions. So believe me, I just, you know, I'm right there with you. I get it. But this is part of our lives, right? Learning to accept these emotions and then knowing how to strategically move forward or move through them or whatever it might be, even use them is a very, very important skill that we can learn. But again, like I said, this is really hard. And a lot of us don't yet have these skills or emotional agility in general in in order to do this. So these are two common ways that negative emotions are handled. So number one, Susan David calls it the bottler. Bottlers try and get out of the situation or get out of emotions by pushing them to the side or just moving on, quote, unquote. And I mean, like I was saying before, can you blame them? These feelings are uncomfortable and they're distracting to everything that we're trying to do, everything that we're trying to get done. Who wants that, right? None of us want that. So we get it, right? It's not that I don't get it. We, I get it, all right? We get this. But then another reason you might be a bottler is the way that you were raised in this society, right? How many of us grew up hearing, toughen up, right? No crying in this family. right. Cheer up. Things aren't that bad. And I like to think that maybe this isn't the case as much anymore. But there was a time where I think, you know, even like my parents generation heard that a lot. Right. Especially if you were a male. If you were a male child, you know, in that generation, showing emotions wasn't necessarily something that was super accepted universally. The push to be tough tells us to push our emotions aside and to keep moving forward. Right. Or else we'll be seen as weak. So a few examples of what a bottler may look like in the real world are as follows: If you're a bottler who hates work, you might try and rationalize away your negative feelings by telling yourself, "At least I've got a job." If you're an unhappy sorry. if you're unhappy in your relationship, you might immerse yourself in a project that just has to get done. If you're losing yourself in the busyness of caring for others, you might push your sadness or stress aside by reminding yourself that your time will come. And lastly, if you're leading team members who are deeply anxious about budget cuts and propose restructuring, you might tiptoe around those subject, subjects for fear of opening up an emotional can of worms. So bottling is usually done with the best intentions and can actually feel really productive at times. And to be honest, this coping skill is sometimes necessary. I think that's important to acknowledge. But the unwanted emotions that seem to vanish when we do this—they don't really vanish. And I think that's the most important takeaway from this: they're just underground, and and honestly, they're ready to pop back up at any time. Most of the time, at a misopportune time. Okay, so that's a bottler. Some of that may ring a bell. It might not. But this is a very common way to not acknowledge our emotions, not handle our quote-unquote negative emotions. The second common way that we don't handle negative emotions well is, we'll call it the brooder. Okay, so the brooder doesn't try and push the emotions aside. They actually have a hard time letting go. They stew in the emotions over and over and over again. Brooders struggle to compartmentalize as they are obsessing over what could be something that's hurting them, or maybe it's a perceived failure, or it's a shortcoming, or even an anxiety that they're feeling. Brooders are feeling their feelings, which is kind of like one step ahead of what the bottler is doing, but instead of the emotional leakage the bottler might experience, right, like I was talking about, those emotions are going to pop up at a misopportune time, the brooder might drown in a flood. And I'm sorry that that's an extreme example, but, you know, this this is the reality. A brooder's emotions gain strength similar to how a hurricane gains strength. They circle and circle and circle and pick up more energy with every pass. So those are two common ways that us as humans sometimes will deal with these negative emotions and 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 these ways, just to be clear, aren't normally the most productive. Maybe at sometimes they are necessary, but they're not normally the most productive in, in, in the most cases, okay? So with that being said, let's get into four ways to actually be emotionally agile. And like I said, these are from Susan David's book, Emotional Agility. So if any of this is ringing a bell or you're like, hey, I want to, you know, learn more about this or, or read more about this go ahead and go check out her book but let's get into these four ways to be emotionally agile so number one we'll call it showing up so instead of ignoring difficult thoughts and emotions or over emphasizing positive thinking we should face into our thoughts emotions and behaviors willingly with two things curiosity and kindness Okay, so let's talk about self-compassion here, because I think this is part of what this is. Showing yourself self-compassion is essential when dealing with painful emotions. Here's an example. Imagine yourself as the child that you once were. Get a picture. If you need to if you need to close your eyes, kind of get a visual of yourself as a child. If you even need to go grab a picture to remind yourself, I want you to be able to visualize what you looked like as a child, who you were as a child. Then I want you to visualize the life circumstances and maybe even the difficulties that you had, right? Maybe you had a great childhood and that's great. But within that experience, maybe there was some difficult experiences that you faced. Now, can you feel compassion for that child that you're visualizing? In your mind's eye, I want you to embrace and comfort that imagined child. And then the key, the last step is realizing that the adult that you are now needs to be comforted like the child that you were. It's the same thing. We need the same thing. Okay, self-compassion involves taking a broad view of ourselves and accepting who you are and seeing everything, including all of your flaws with compassion. Think about the last time that you looked yourself in the mirror. What were you telling yourself? Were you showing yourself compassion? I hear this from my clients all the time. And obviously I work in the fitness and nutrition world. So this is a big thing, but I think this is pretty universal, right? Are you nice to yourself when you look at yourself in the mirror? A lot of us aren't. And that's the reality. And believe me, I totally get it. But if we want to show ourselves self-compassion, we need to be able to look ourselves in the mirror today and we need to be able to love ourselves for all stages. So even if we have goals, right? Like maybe we do want something change, that's okay. Believe me, I I think goals are great, but that doesn't mean that I'm beating myself up today about who I am because self-compassion is accepting myself and loving myself for for all that I am including any flaws that I have. Okay? So this isn't to say that you might not Let's say, for example, look in the mirror one day and have a not so nice thing to say about yourself. Okay, sometimes those thoughts just come into our head. Sometimes those emotions, right? Maybe it's disappointment, just throwing that out there, right? For example, just just happen. They just come into our head. It's just something that we feel right. But instead of brooding on that or instead of bottling that up, what do we do with that emotion? Do we handle it? Do we find a way to productively say, "Okay, I just had this thought, I just had this feeling, but guess what? I'm doing my best. I'm working really hard." Or on the on the flip side, maybe it's even saying, "You know what? I haven't really been paying attention to my health lately, and I do really want to make some changes. What are some next steps that I can take?" Right? That is very different than beating ourselves up and not showing up for ourselves in that way. So that's number 1, the first way to sh- to show emotional agility. Number two is stepping out. Okay, so sometimes it's not easy to show ourselves self-compassion, especially when we're feeling really overwhelmed by many different emotions. And in this case, something that we can do is that we can strategically find a way to distance ourselves from the emotion to then actually get a better view and understand what we're actually feeling, right? You guys have all heard the thing, like if you're in an argument with your significant other, you know, it's probably better off that you guys step away, maybe give yourself 15 minutes, allow even some of those emotions to start to subside a bit, so, that we can actually get a better view and understanding of what is going on. So, that's a little bit of what stepping out is like. So, one thing that you can do here, if you are feeling very overwhelmed by emotions and showing yourself self compassion in that moment, is not, doesn't really feel possible, to be honest, is here's a little um, like activity that you can try take a chair or a pillow, place it in front of you, maybe five feet in front of you. And let it act as a stand-in for your problem, whatever that problem is. Or, you know, if you're feeling like whatever emotion you're feeling is the problem, that's fine. Maybe the pillow acts as that emotion. If it's, you know, something that else that you're dealing with, the problem you're dealing with at work or at home or whatever it is, the chair or the pillow is now that problem. And now I want you to yell at it. Scream at, out everything that you're feeling. And if you don't want anyone else, you know, in your household hearing this, then make sure you're doing it in a a space where they can't hear or maybe no one's home or maybe you're even, you know, going outside to do this or maybe you're going into your car and you're yelling at your steering wheel because you don't have any other option, all right? But I want you to take a moment and just yell out everything that you feel. This exercise allows you to step out of your problem by externalizing your feelings, which will in turn enable you to see it from a fresh external perspective. This is where mindfulness comes into play. As we know, mindfulness is the practice of paying purposeful attention to something, right? Be it a sensation, an emotion, or your breathing, right? Without judgment. So when you practice mindfulness, you will have an easier time recognizing negative emotions for what they are as they arise and be able to handle them, you know, more immediately. So mindfulness and stepping out definitely have some similarities in that way. But I think the big takeaway here is just recognizing, hey, sometimes emotions are very overwhelming and we actually really do need to to step away in some way to be able to figure out how I want to move forward with them. How can I be agile? with these emotions that I'm feeling okay so number one was showing up number two was stepping out and the third way to show emotional agility is walking your why it's hard to make decisions that are truly our own and there's so many reasons why this is true maybe it's the pressure of the relationships around us maybe it's the pressure of society in general And especially because the society that we live in, success is judged by standards that have nothing to do with the individual involved a lot of the time. So because of this, walking your why, living a life full of purpose that is your purpose, not someone else's, knowing what you're on this earth for, knowing your mission for that day is really hard. It's really hard to know if that is your own or if there's all these other pressures are you know, kind of forming that for you. okay? even to take the time to set aside the time to to really put in the thought necessary to understand what my purpose is, what I want to be doing each day is really hard. It's actually very rare. Not a lot of people actually do that because we do get so caught up in the busyness of life. So let me ask you this. And this kind of relates to what I leave every podcast with for you guys is, Are you waking up and letting the day, day by day, take you like a wave? Or are you purposefully going through your day with intention, the way that you want to for you and your loved ones? If we don't think about what we're doing and the actions we're taking and the decisions that we're making on a daily basis, at least a weekly basis, but no, a daily basis, we tend to blindly follow the examples of those around us or live accordingly, according to a blueprint laid out for us. I'll keep this one short because I talk about this in this podcast all the time, so I don't really even feel like I need to dig into it, if, if you, especially if you have been listening to these episodes. But fight the urge to follow the herd and think carefully about what you really want for yourself and your life. This is what walking your why is all about and a really great way to be emotionally agile in this world. Okay. And lastly, the last way to be emotionally agile that I'm going to leave you with is moving on. As Dr. David put it, small, deliberate tweaks to your mindset, motivation, and habits in ways that are infused with your values can make a powerful difference in your life. The idea is to find balance between challenge and competence so that you're neither complacent nor overwhelmed. You're excited, you're enthusiastic, you're invigorated. So, Dr. David talked about finding this balance between challenge and competence, right? So, when it comes to trying to find this balance, the trick is to balance a little positive stress from a new situation with secure feelings of assurance and calm. Okay, the edge of potential is a line that can be gradually pushed forward, but you shouldn't suddenly overstep it. So, maybe an example of this. Is I always go back to fitness and nutrition examples because that's the field that I work in. But imagine that you have some goal and you sign up for a program, maybe even to work with a coach. Okay. So with signing up for that program, maybe comes a little bit of stress, especially at first, right? You're starting to get to know their platform that you're using. You're a little bit stressed because there's a financial commitment to it. Maybe it's adding more onto your plate because all of a sudden you're going to, be adding in some more workouts. So there's some stress here, right? But with that, there's positive intentions behind it, right? It's pushing you out of your comfort zone because maybe this is a little bit of a different approach than you're normally used to, but you're also excited to learn and be part of the challenge, right? So we have a little bit of this stress, but there's positive intentions behind it because we know that we're doing something for ourselves. And it's a bit uncomfortable because this is out of our comfort zone. This is something different. But it's also exciting because this is something I want to do and it's a it's a challenge. I honestly feel that way about this podcast sometimes, When I'm about to interview a guest. There's like this wide range of mixing emotions. There's like the excitement because I'm really excited to interview this person. There's also the nervousness just because I'm, I'm leading an interview. Right. There's also like this is kind of uncomfortable. Like, why am I putting this? Extra thing into my day that's making me more busy. But then there's the, oh my God, I love to connect with people. Oh my God. So, anyways, there's a lot of emotions that go along with it. But I think this is part of the making these small, deliberate tweaks to our day, not trying to do everything all at once to just kind of keep moving on, not bottling our emotions, right? We don't want to do that, but just kind of keep moving on, especially if all those emotions, again, behind it have positive intentions. So, those are the four key concepts when it comes to emotional agility. Just one more time, I want to say, if this is something that resonates with you, check out Susan David's book, Emotional Agility. There's no ad here or anything like that. I didn't get paid to say that. I just think it's a really great book. I think it's a really great concept, this idea of the stories that we tell ourselves behind what we're feeling and what's happening around us versus what's actually happening around us, the data, the, the reality of, of what we're actually experiencing and how we handle all of our emotions around that. So I'm going to leave you with that. I'm going to let you get back to your day and go and crush whatever you have left today. The last thing I'll leave you with, like always, is changing your path will not be easy. It will be challenging. I'll say that over and over again, but it will be worth it. So do a self-check today. Are you on your path up your mountain? And if not, what path are you on?